Welcome to Where I Come From, a podcast dedicated to Nebraska sports figures and the life experiences that shaped them. I'm your host, Dirk Chatland, and this week's guest is Renee Saunders, Omaha Scott State Championship volleyball coach and former two-sport athlete at Nebraska. We talk about growing up on the property where Babe Ruth and Satchel Paige once played, balancing two sports at Nebraska, what she doesn't like about youth volleyball, and what drives her after back-to-back state titles. I only have one gear, I think. Yeah. It's either off or on. <laughs> I, that's what people say. I talk fast, I drive fast, I eat fast. I'm a very big, like, you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to be more stubborn about it. You know, like, find a way to get it done. I'm a competitive person. I call it a lack of urgency because they play so much, they don't understand that everything matters. I remember the first open gym, I had like two kids show up. I think I aged 10 years that one game. I want Scott to be remembered for volleyball for a long time. This is where I come from. Your voice, when does your voice come back in the wintertime? Does it, does it come all the way back? Um, usually, I usually am 100% by January. January? <laughs> yeah. I have, this, I have this voice for all the volleyball season. You're a South Omaha girl. I am. Uh, all, 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 the, all the features of South Omaha childhood, or how, how do you describe that to me? How do I describe South Omaha? You know, it's what, funny. First of all, where'd you grow up? Like, near the zoo. That's the best way oh, I can really? say it. Near Rosenblatt Stadium. I remember when uh, John Baylor would announce me, my parents got a kick out of it because he'd always say, grew up in the shadows of Rosenblatt Stadium. So, I mean, that's kind of how, I mean, literally, that's where I was all the time. Just north of it or south of it? North of it. Yep, okay, north so of it. So Yep, across the interstate, up on like 15th and then. Yeah, so, I mean... I don't know how, how to, I don't know, I didn't grow up anywhere else, so I don't know how to explain how it varies from anywhere else, but yeah. Small house, small old house? No, you know, it's funny, so my parents' house, my mom's parents built it, and it was built where Old League Park used to stand. Oh my gosh! So, and they were the first ones to build on that lot, so they bought, actually bought four lots, so I actually grew up in a big house this with is, a giant yard. This is the, this is the famous Vinton Street ballpark. Right? Yeah, that burnt down. Yep. Yeah, that's oh, where Babe I grew Ruth up. and Lou Gehrig and those Correct. Guys Satchel Page. Yep. Holy cow. Yeah, so that's where I grew up. So you grew up on that property? Yep. So home plate is out the kitchen window is wh- where it used to be. So like where the house is was where the grandstand was um, on the Vinton Street side. And then home plate would have been out the kitchen window. Yeah, that's where I grew up. That is crazy. It's awesome. Yeah. So did you learn about all that history when you I were did. Learning? My mom talks about it all the time. My players make fun of me all the time because I try to tell them a ghost story because one time I was out turning a, a faucet off outside and something ran through the yard and scared the crap out of me, right? So I tell them the story and they laugh about it because they don't believe me. Well, later on, when they did more research on the house and the land and things like that, it came across that somebody had died there. They were hit in the head with the ball and some lady like medium lady came out with a guy who was writing a book and she asked if anything weird ever happened in the backyard and my mom told her about the time I thought I saw something running and she said that she thought it was the kid running bases and so my players laugh about it I tell them the story I'm like no guys I'm dead serious like this is what happened but they think I'm joking what did your parents do uh, my mom was a medical technologist at Bergen Mercy she taught med techs and then was a med tech for 
40 some years and then my dad runs a Saunders archery we have an archery company really yeah my uh, grandparents started it in Columbus Nebraska and my dad ran the factory here in Omaha now my brother kind of runs that business and my dad goes around and teaches archery he's a USA archery coach level four coach and my mom just retired in November so so did you grow up doing archery I did I did we used to go shoot every weekend yeah, it's a good time. Uh, you got pretty good at it, I imagine. I think I was okay. I mean, I was little. I don't, it's not like we, I don't remember doing tons of contests or anything like that. It was just like, that's what we did. Like, did leagues or went and shot, whatever. It was all target shooting. You were, I mean, you were pretty, by high school, you were you were athletic, sort of extremely athletic. Uh, in maybe, maybe even more than you were skilled, you were athletic. I was. I was uh, born with good genes, I think. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, so where did the genes come from? Uh, my mom says from her from throwing wiffle ball in the backyard. I don't think that's where they came from. My dad ran track. He has, still has the 440 record at Columbus High School. He's in the their Hall of Fame there. And What's then your he, dad's name? Tom Saunders. Tom Saunders. Yeah, then Tom he Columbus went, High grad. He, oh, are you really? Yeah. Yeah, he's on the wall there. Huh. He's on the wall, I think, a couple times. And then uh, he... Went on to run track, I want to say, in Nebraska for a year or two, and then ended up other places. But, yeah. So, so I you think, grew up with the bug. I mean, it was... I think, yeah, a competitive bug. I was born a competitor. Uh, the best example of that would be what? <laughs> I, I, You know, I just don't really like to lose a whole lot. You know, <laughs> like, if we're playing... We, we'd always play pickup something. So we'd be playing pickup basketball. We'd play football in my parents' yard because they had the long yard, you know. So, But I always wanted to be – I always wanted to win. I, I remember that all the way back to when I was little. Best example I can give you is my parents signed me up for figure skating. So I'm a figure skater, right? Not a figure skater at all. <laughs> but anyway, so we're, she said, they signed me up for figure skating, and one day of the lesson I, I just wanted to race my teacher. I'm like, let's race to the other side. And she told her that my mom that I'd probably better if I'd sign up for speed skating because I'd rather race than like perform. Right. Yeah, I was pretty competitive. You were the oldest. I was. Two yeah. kids. Yep. I have a little brother. Troy. Yep. Two and a half years behind me. Did you? So, so you didn't. You were establishing the competitive culture in your house, not so much. Uh, he, you know, and he wasn't a sport guy. Huh. You know, and he did track a little bit, but I mean, we're very opposite. Hmm. But best friends at the same time. So, I mean, we're very different people. Um, All States Elementary School? Yep. I was, uh, actually it was ICC, Immaculate Conception. Okay. And then 7th and 8th grade is when they had the merger, the first merger. Okay. Like seven schools went together and it was, All Saints was Cabrini and ICC. And so I actually graduated from All Saints, but it was ICC for K through 6th and then okay. All Saints for 2. And then they closed that. Now it's an apartment down there on 24th and Bancroft. Um, what do you? What were your first sort of experiences in organized sports? Oh, you know, it's funny. I did so many things. Like my parents put me in gymnastics. They put me in figure skating. We did archery. Um, my first like team was baseball. I was the only girl. I felt like I was the only girl in a lot of things I did. Really? I always, yeah, a lot of all my my friends growing up were all guys in the neighborhood. So I played. I played ball with all the guys, and then um, baseball. I was the only girl on the team all the way up until probably 12, 13, and then I went over and started playing softball. The guys caught up to me. They got faster and stronger, and I got weaker and more girly, I guess. <laughs> and uh, so then after that, I want to say I did softball for a little bit, 
then later on, like eighth grade, seventh grade, I kind of started basketball, volleyball. So I was, I mean, I was late getting into the two sports that I really, truly loved. So, yeah, so volleyball and basketball were your two passions, and you didn't really, from an organized standpoint, you didn't really get into it till junior high? Yeah, it was really late, really late. Um, I think my first year at club might have been after eighth grade, which is totally opposite of what kids do now. I mean, yeah. they play so young. And uh, I think it was almost to an advantage to me, though, starting later, because I was athletic, so I had some of the natural genes to play it, but I never got bored with it. You know, like it never was a job to me. It was always fun. It was always intriguing. I never got sick of it. So even all the way through, I didn't get tired of it. I feel like sometimes now you get kids that they play so much, it's it's like a job. It's monotonous to them. So it just kind of keeps it more fresh. You, you kind of have, I mean, I can just with the tempo of the way you talk and the way that, you know, the things that I've read about you, I mean, there's just like a, there's like sort of an energizer bunny quality to you, right? I mean, that's. I only have one gear, I think. Yeah. It's either off or on. <laughs> I, that's what people say. I talk fast. I drive fast. I eat fast. Like, it's just that's how I run. Is it ever off though? Yeah, sometimes when I sleep. Sometimes I wake up in the night, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it happens every. If I'm stressed, I'll wake up in the night, but for the most part, I'm pretty get things done. What was your introduction to to Marion? You know, I kind of looked everywhere. My only rule for my parents picking a high school is it had to be a, a Catholic school. They wanted to keep me in Catholic education, and so. You know, it was Mercy, Gross, Duchenne, because that's where my mom went, and then Marion. And at the time, Gross was Class A, Marion was Class A. And so I kind of, like, got down to those two. And I don't know, I just, I liked the vibe at Marion. I liked the people. I liked the, um, I liked the teachers. I liked the competitive nature of the sports. And so it, it fit me. So it was a good, it was a good pick for me. So you drove all the way out to Marion every day from 15th and 5th? We did. Um, and it was funny, too, because, you know, people talk about recruiting and all that. And it's like, no, I was never recruited to go there. Like, I went to camp. Nobody knew who I was. Um, it was one of those things where I just, I felt I, I liked it. And it was fun. And it was, exci- it was exciting and new. But since my mom worked at Bergen, we found a route that was actually pretty, it oh, wasn't okay. too far. Yeah. Rochelle Rolfs. Uh, Jim Miller, yep. uh, two pretty towering figures at, at Marion High School. Yes. Did pretty. you did you have a smooth transition or? You know, everything was always new to me. You know, it wasn't like I I had tons of coaches before that. I had Deb Graffington um, ran the club I played, and then Ruth was my coach at fourteen and under. So it wasn't like I had for volleyball. For volleyball, yeah. So it wasn't like I had a huge transition there. Everything was learning. You know. Kids thought I was a transfer in junior and I was a freshman. Really? Yeah. They, I remember kids asking me, like, are you are you a junior? Like, are you transferring? I'm like, uh, no, I'm like 13, 14 years old. You were bigger than everybody else. I was. I was a big kid. But, I, you know, and I was, I think, really raw hmm. athletically. You know, I could jump high and I swung hard and I didn't really have any, like, touch on the ball. I didn't have any, like... I didn't have a very good skill set yet. I think that developed probably even almost into college when I finally figured that out. You you uh, you were varsity four years in volleyball mm-hmm. and three years in basketball. Correct. Okay. So Correct. what was freshman year of volleyball like? <laughs> my very first game I started across the net from me. I had Allison Weston. Really? I was scared out of my mind. It's funny now because I go back and she's she's a great person. I played with her together that one year at Nebraska and. I have that most respect for it, but at the time I'm looking across and all I hear about is everybody's talking about this player from Papio that 
that hit the crap out of the ball and everybody was super scared and next thing you know my first start as a freshman is across from her and I'm like oh so that's that's big time okay okay yeah, that's be, big time to be accurate you're not looking across you're looking up a little bit she was a little bit taller than me yeah. not a ton though I mean she wasn't huge I think six one maybe was she six two I don't know it wasn't like I was like this you know but looking up maybe in an admiration way like oh that's who that is you know more so than then look up and get scared. Most influential uh, day at Marion in four years was what? Oh, goodness. I don't even know if that's a fair question. <laughs> I don't know about influential. Probably one of my most memorable days at Marion was the pep rally before we went to state one time. Anybody who knows me now, I was a whole different person then. Really? Yeah, I was way more outgoing. I'm pretty shy now. I don't like to really be out in the center of things. You were and, more outgoing then? Oh, yeah. So me and one of my best friends at the time, Corinne, who's on my staff here now as a JV coach, we did a lip sync. I mean, we redid the words to Lowrider <laughs> <laughs> and dance. And so that was like our pep rally thing to get the kids to go down to state because we took a little trip, you know, take a little trip to state. It so. was interesting looking, reading the old stories about you from your high school days. Uh, you're, you were, um, I'm not sure how exactly to describe this, but... Like your quotes were all, you were very direct, uh, more direct than high school kids usually are. Like you could tell there was just sort of like a confidence about you that maybe, you know, some people maybe have interpreted it as cockiness, but I don't think it necessarily went into that. But I think, it, it, you know, I could see where people could see me as being cocky. I don't feel like I'm a cocky person at all. I'm the most nervous person in the world on game day. But it's just very uh, direct, I guess, right? That's probably a good way to put it. Uh, I just say it how, it how it is. And you wanted to be a coach. I mean, it, you knew early that you wanted to be a coach. I did. I, I had that. I had the coaching bug for sure early on. I think my dad had me go help my little brother's basketball team one time. And really? I just loved it. Like, I, I just love being, like, teaching the game. And I think that one of the great things about, like, even at Marion – and then my club experience and my college experience is I played every position and I've done a little bit of everything. And so I really understand it. Same way on the basketball side. Like I played a post, I played a two guard, I played a small forward, I played a power forward. So like I've played all these different positions. So I feel like when you do that, you have a better picture of like what's going on around you and how things interwork. You know, so I, I don't know. I just, I grasp the game better now as a coach, I think, than even as I did as a player. You. You were playing club volleyball. Were you playing club basketball too? Yeah, we did uh, Blue Bombers at the time. It was uh, Larry Bleach and I think it's Ken Cook out of Adams, Nebraska. Yeah. Um, they put together a team and it was like me, Risha Bristol, Jenny, Jenny Getz, Brooke Schwartz. Like We were like the, the basically the Nebraska all-star team. And we traveled and played. And then I played softball, um, club softball still for about a year and then after my first year of high school club club like it was like practice to practice yeah I did there a lot was of one, things there was one, one summer where you were home for like 10 days if right? that oh yeah because you were doing what junior nationals um yeah I made the junior olympic team okay and so I spent from nationals where we won the national championship my senior year then I went to Colorado Springs and trained for 10 days with like Carrie Walsh and like all these big name really? volleyball players like and at the time, they only took, I think, maybe 30 kids or 24 kids total for the junior national thing. And you trained, and then they split you in two teams and sent one group to one place and one group to another place. And, and unfortunately, it was during volleyball season that I, I had to leave, and I went to Puerto Rico and played on the junior Olympic team. 
for that week or whatever it was. That was going into senior year. Yeah. And then my senior year, I missed a week because that was when the thing was. But it was, and that was actually probably my hardest decision I made in high school. Like, how do you leave your high school team for a week? But then it was like, this is Junior Olympic. Like, there's only 24 of us in the country that get to do this. And so I did go to Puerto Rico. So everybody, everybody was recruiting you? I, I have a lot of letters. My, my mom keeps everything, everything. And uh, I'm pretty sure she still has every letter in the basement. Really? Yeah, for basketball and volleyball. Uh, were you, did you really consider being, I mean, I know you played it in college, but did you consider choosing basketball exclusively? I love basketball. Mm. I love volleyball. I love basketball. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly, like, I narrowed my schools down by who would let me play both. It, it wasn't on my radar to quit either one. I didn't want to quit either one. I wanted to play them ever. Like, if I could still be playing them, I would. But I can't move laterally anymore, and I'm slow. <laughs> so, and I can't jump. But, I mean, if I could still be playing, I would 100% still be playing. Uh, you didn't win a high school state championship. Did not. Did it not drive you crazy? You know, no. no. I, I always thought there was more to life than, than state championships. So when I got my first one here, it was pretty, it was special. You know, it was like one of those things like, wow. So that's what it's like, like in a cool experience for the kids. But as a coach, it was, it was extra special. Okay, so you choose Nebraska. Uh, you're, right. the, you're the 95 World Herald Athlete of the Year, High School Athlete of the Year. Um, first Marion basketball player to score 1,000 points. Two-time All-State Volleyball. Didn't quite make All-State Basketball. Yeah, the last year. I'm still a little bitter about that one. <laughs> I brought it up because of that. Uh, but you choose Nebraska, and you walk into a situation in 1995, fall of 95, where Nebraska's going to win a national championship, and you're on the floor as a true freshman playing for Terry Pettit, right? Occasionally on the floor, yeah. We had a pretty games. We had a pretty solid group at yeah. Nebraska that year, and to get any playing time. A really tight group too, right? Yeah, very tight group. Like upper the class. Se- the seniors did a great job, and the freshmen were really competitive. Like if you look at our freshman class, I think we had the number one recruiting class in the nation that year. So it was like Fiona Nepo, uh, Jamie Krondak, Lisa Avery, um, who hurt her knee. Denise, was Denise my year or the year after? We had, I mean, either way, we had a star-studded like freshman class come in. And those seniors took us under our wing, but they wouldn't let us get away. With it. I mean, it was a competition all the time. And we wanted to beat them every time. You know, and that was our, our competitive nature. But it was, it was a great team to play on, but it was a great group to be around outside of volleyball. It's just a really, like, a good squad, good team. Was it a, did you have a smooth freshman year? I mean... I don't think it's ever smooth when you go from playing all the time to hardly playing yeah. or playing a role. And so it was a little, it was probably at the time harder for me than when I look back at it now. And it's like, I look back at it now and it was fine. Um, but I think at the time, I think we all kind of struggled a little bit because we all kind of came into the same, but the fact that we were all so close and we all came from like huge roles to smaller roles, we all had something in common. And I think that made it better, but it also made us want to compete more in practice. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's always hard when your when your role changes. What do you remember about the championship run? Is there are there a couple moments that stand out? Uh, the blizzard, <laughs> the blizzard that was happening outside 
um, where our band was late. Our parents hardly got there when You're we were in Massachusetts. Massachusetts yep, yeah. that was that was crazy. But we still had um, CJ had the sign that just said yeah, and like she, you know we have a picture of us standing like in this snow up to our knees. So it was like a little joke we did like Huskers yeah, <laughs> and just like little stuff like that stands out. Um, Kate Cernich went off in that championship game against Texas. Um, I think it was Missouri. I actually got to play quite a bit there. That was kind of fun just because I got to actually play all the way around and swing and stuff. So I mean, there's lots of like little parts of it that stand out. But I think our strength of schedule that we played, like starting off the year with that huge turn with like Stanford and, you know, all these top teams and then going through. And I think, when we, I think we lost that first game of the year and then we didn't lose the rest of the way. I mean, it was some crazy amount of games. I had Terry Pettit on this podcast two months ago. Yeah. And, uh, man, I mean, that guy, it, it's almost strange that he's a coach because he he could do ten other things in life if he wanted to. What was your – how did you adjust to Pettit? How did you – what did you think of Pettit? I appreciate him more now that I'm out. Mm-hmm. I don't think I completely understood him when I was in. Like, now looking back, I'm like, oh, that's what he was trying to do. That's what he was trying to do. Like, I knew he knew what he was doing. I knew that he had a plan. He always, like, his gears were always working. Um, but I don't think as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, I, I understood it completely. But, like, looking back now, I'll catch myself using things that he'll say to me. I'll say them to my kids. Like what? I think probably the most one that stands out the most to me is the time that he told me that I was, uh, that instead of dipping my toe in the water, I needed to just jump in. And I've used that with my kids and it, cause it fits, you know, like you're kind of afraid you don't want to mess up. So you, you know, you don't really like go all in for fear of failure. And I think that was kind of how I played a little bit at the beginning. Cause I was, you know, new and I didn't want to make mistakes. So I figured if I didn't make mistakes, then I would find a way on the floor instead of he was looking for someone that wanted to just go out and play fearless. And so I think now looking back, I get it. But at the time I'm like, did my toe. I am. I am going all in. You know, it's just different. He believed really strongly that you take the best athletes and you turn them into volleyball players. He does. Rather than taking volleyball players and, you know, trying to turn them into athletes. Uh, You were kind of the, you know, you were a pretty good essence of that, right? Yeah. I I had to do a little bit of everything. I mean, I go into Nebraska as an outside hitter. I played middle in high school. And next thing you know, he's trained me to be a setter where I had to back up Fiona, and then I ended up being a DS. I mean, literally, like... He didn't know what to do. Like, <laughs> wherever you want me, man, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Um, I'll do whatever you want me to do. But, yeah, it was, it was, it's good. And I kind of, if you look at my team I have right now, I have kids that can play tons of different positions. And it's fun because they're, they are really athletic, but, but they're not, I mean, they're volleyball players, very much so but they can do so many different things. And I think that's what my varsity team really is, a big group of athletes that are also good at volleyball. But some of the, some of the younger kids are more just straight volleyball players where these guys are pretty athletic group. Mm-hmm. So the idea, Annie Adamsack, uh, she did volleyball and basketball for one year in the early 80s. And when you were going down there, and you had an intention to play both sports. And Pettit says, I'm trying to keep an open mind about it, see what happens. In both sports, you're competing against athletes devoting their entire life to one sport. Certainly some athletes have done it, but it's a rarity nowadays to see it. But who am I to tell somebody they can't give it a try? Did you really think that you could that you could do it? Why not? I still think that way. Like, 
I'm a very big, like, you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to be more stubborn about it. You know, like, find a way to get it done. I'm a competitive person. You, so, were, you were hearing it a lot, though, as you were set to go down there, right? Like You know, I wasn't. Really? No, I'm sure it was out there, but it wasn't like it was on the... That wasn't on the front of my mind about it, no. You know, I... My goal... I didn't want to give up two things I loved to do. You know, and when I took my recruiting visits, I think when I got down to it, my final four were Penn State, Illinois, Clemson, and Nebraska. And I could have went all four and done both. And I could either try it, right, and see if it works out, or don't try it and regret it. So to me, it just it made sense to try it. What's worst case scenario? I mean, for me, I ended up hardshipping by the end of it. I had two years where I played both. Yeah, yeah, so slow down. So, yeah. so, so what happens? You played volleyball in 95. Correct. Did you go right into basketball, or did you wait another year? Nope. I, I waited. So the my first year down there, my freshman year, 95 to 96, I only did volleyball. Yep. And that was it. The following year, 96 to 97, I did volleyball um, after the Final Four, flew home, was home for four days, then went back to Lincoln, and started basketball. And was in basketball until basketball season ended. So your introduction to basketball season is, is your second year in school. Correct, correct. And uh, Coach Beck was still the coach. Yep, Coach Beck was the coach. Um, and I was a total scout team player. And the hardest part about the transition was learning the playbook by far. Really? Learning the offense, learning the plays, learning all those things. Like I remember taking it with me on volleyball trips trying to learn what I was going to be doing in basketball that I, and I'm a learner by doer, so these, it didn't help me very much. So I was behind the eight ball all the time because I didn't understand the offense completely or I didn't know what we were doing completely. So that part, that was the, probably the biggest struggle. And then the next year, um, Sandiford comes in. 97, 98. 97, 98. I go volleyball. We lose um, in the dome, or not dome, it was a pyramid at Long Beach State in the regional finals. We lose, so I get, a little, I get a little break again. Actually, I think I flew straight back to Lincoln to start a basketball, and we were done. Then I got that little Christmas break. So I'm in basketball. That's with Coach Sanderford. Um, one of those years, I think it was my sophomore year, I broke my foot in volleyball. And it, they had pinned it, and I had problems with the pin coming out, so they had taken the pin out. So then we get to, I finish, I don't do any more volleyball then after those three years. And I decide I'm just going to commit to basketball for a year. And it breaks again. And that's when I... So you broke your foot in volleyball, and then you broke it again in, in basketball? In basketball for a second time. And that's when I, I decided it was best for me to stop being an athlete. It's just time to be done. Okay. You're 21 years old. Ish, yeah. You go from playing two sports to playing zero sports. Correct. Competitively. I still did, like, sand put, league and, put me and in, pick up. And, put me in your, in your mind. That had to be extremely hard. It was, a, yeah, I think, I think it was, it was a pretty big, I had already started coaching. I was kind of helping out at Lincoln East some, um, I had to do it like for a class and then I just kind of carried it over. So, I mean, I was still in the coaching, so I coached volleyball at Lincoln East, I coached basketball at Lincoln East, so it was kind of like I filled it. It wasn't like I got rid of it, I just wasn't playing on a team I was coaching or helping coach two teams. So I guess it wasn't as hard as I thought it, as you would think it would be. Had you ever had foot problems before? No, I didn't. I actually was super funny is I didn't really have any major injuries other than maybe sprained ankles. 
um, both of my ankles. I think for some reason, I th- I'm going to blame it on genetics. I think I have genetically like looser joints because after I was done with college, my shoulder was really loose. So I had to get that fixed. Both my ankles I was having issues with during my whole career. Um, they had tightened both of them. And then, and then I broke my foot twice. How did you, you break it the second time? I think it, it started as a stress fracture that broke all the way in a methods class my sophomore year. And then it in a re, class? Yeah, re-broke then my last year. So you broke it the first time in a class? Because I was playing on a stress fracture and it finally gave out. It was a Jones fracture. And so they what they, what they thought was a sprain in my foot. They were taping me up, all this stuff. And I was playing on it for a month. And then in a class, I literally like made a push-off move. And it wasn't a hard push-off move. And it just wow. popped. And so I, I hopped to the training room, and they put me in the ice bath. And they still thought it was just a sprain. And then they got me over to South Stadium and x-rayed it, and it was broke. When did you know you were done as a college athlete? Um, when it broke the second time in basketball. It was just, I think I was tired of surgeries and being injured and not being able to play 100%. And, and so it was, I didn't have a hard time saying I was done, I guess is the best way to put it. It was just, you know, you just have that feeling that you just know. I think that's what it was, like I knew it was time. Did you regret trying to do both? No, I don't think I've had any regrets in my life. I think everything happens for a reason and you do them. And like I said, give it a try, and if it works, great. If it doesn't, then you live and you learn. I mean, there's no, I wish I didn't do this, or I wish I didn't do that. I mean, if I wouldn't have done any of those things, would I be sitting here right now? You know, so I think everything happens for a reason. There's, there's part of your experience that I think translates um, to today, and part of your experience that really doesn't. And you were so, you were constantly on the go. You were doing, you know, two sports, you're doing clubs, uh, taking almost no time off. That reminds me of kids today. The thing that doesn't remind me of kids today is you were doing it in two sports and they're all doing it in one sport. Right. Uh, did you get burned out? No, I don't think I did at all. Like I said, if I could still be playing right now, I probably would be, you know, I mean, it's, I didn't really get sick of it. I didn't get burnt out of it. Um, I didn't, I guess I, I don't even know how to explain it. It just, it's like I filled my playing void with the coaching. And it's like, I mean, I'm not trying to relive my glory years no, through I coaching, but, 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 was it, but it's filled it. Was it hard to, I mean, you're bouncing back and forth. There's basically no off season in your life for a lot of years, right? Right, but I didn't get tired of it. Like when I think of burned out, I think of, like you hate it, you don't want to be around it anymore. You, you have no passion for it, and I don't think any of that describes me. I didn't think I ever got tired. Do you of it. see that in kids today? Um, I think a little bit at times. The ones that are going to go on to play at the next level, they have a different level of drive, mm-hmm. so I don't see it maybe as much with them. Um, I see it more as it becomes. I call it a lack of urgency mm-hmm. because they play so much. They don't understand that everything matters. You know, if like a club season is 250 days, let's say, and they're playing on one weekend, give or take, let's just say eight games, eight to 15 games, and they're doing that every other weekend. And then they turn around, they go to a high school season where you have 40 games to get it done. 
but you've just got done playing a hundred and some, and there's really no end of season. I mean, it's not like, oh, God, we just played our last game and we lost, we're done. I mean, you could win in your last game and still not, you know, I don't think they, they have that sense of urgency. Like, hey, you have three months to achieve your goal and win as many games as you can in that amount of time. I don't know if you remember this growing up, but certainly, I mean, and maybe it was partly small town or whatever it was, but like every game it was like, oh, this is huge. This is a game. This is a big deal. Because, you know, there just weren't that many opportunities to play games. Right. And now it's like the opposite, right? <coughs> well, they're playing all the time. Right. Literally all the time. And and it, to the point where now games are just games. I mean, it, might as well just practice, you know, and I don't know. I think that's the negative about how much kids play. I wish, you know, if they made it where, you know, there was, let's just give volleyball as an example, and there's only one nationals, one, that's it. No more, not two or three or one for this group, one for that, one nationals, and you have to qualify for it. And then when you get there, you run a single elimination tournament, and when you lose, you're done. That would be more realistic to what life and like what high school season looks like, but it's not like that, it's like, you know, you can make it at each level in four different divisions of two different two different things. Organizations. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it takes away the, the urgency in the game, and I think you need to have a little urgency to really compete. I'm writing right now, I'm going to write a story uh, soon about the specialization of athletes and sort of how early recruiting fits into that. What do you think of kids zoning in on one thing as 8th and ninth graders. I think it's crazy. I, 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 think, I think kids should play as many sports as possible until they have to decide. And I think the fact that colleges are down watching 14-unders play volleyball isn't a good thing. I think the NCAA needs to do something where it's like, hey, you can't even talk to a kid to like their sophomore junior year, then maybe kids won't and parents won't be so gung ho to you have to be awesome by fourteen. No, you don't. You don't have to be awesome by fourteen. You know, you can be awesome at sixteen and probably have a long, happy, happy, healthy career. That being said, if you know these kids go to a camp and they love it, or they're going to watching the Jays play or the Huskers play or the Mavericks play, and they're going to watch these games and they just love the game, then who are you to tell a kid like, no, you can't do that? But I think that the fact that um, people are recruiting at such a young age, I think that makes it where I can't do more than that because I need to focus because I want a scholarship. And if I don't get offered by my sophomore year, then I might not get offered. And that's that's scary for a kid if that's what they want to do. You played two sports in college, and now kids won't even play two sports as a sophomore in high school. It's weird. It's doable. It really is doable, but I think it takes a lot of – you probably get – angry phone calls from this but it's it takes the parents to tell the club or to tell whoever that hey high school comes first and when high school season's over then you'll have them full time but if kids are being told no you can't miss for basketball you can't miss from outside things and it could be soccer it could be it could be club basketball or AAUs or it could be volleyball or baseball if they're telling them oh you can't miss for high school stuff then the kids are like well the only way I'm going to get a scholarship is to play outside of school so now we're sending mixed messages, and it's just, you know, if a parent steps up and says, listen, they're doing high school, like let's, volleyball, they're doing high school basketball. They will be at basketball. They will be at everything they can for volleyball, but they may, may miss Club volleyball. Yeah, they may miss a little bit. The clubs should support that, I think. 
in my opinion, because, I mean, I get the part, like, you're working on a team, and if kids are missing practice, it's hard to make it work. But really, once basketball season is over in March, you still have April, May, and June of club. And that's how long high school season is, you know, so. Do you tell kids? Do you have I stay out of it. Do you? I do. I stay out of it. I, I think it's a conflict of interest. I really do. I mean, for me to tell them what I think clubs should be doing, to me, is not in my place. I think people need to make their own decisions, you make don't, educated you don't decisions. You encourage kids to play basketball? I encourage kids track. to do at least two sports while it's got Catholic each year. So some of my kids might do tennis. Some of them might do track. Some do soccer. Some do basketball. I encourage them to do a second sport for at least two years. Preferably many, all years. How many of them follow up, follow up on that? Over half. We have a lot of kids that do more than one. We're not a big enough school where everybody can't. Do we have some kids that don't? Yes. Um, some of them that don't have already signed letters of intent. You know what I mean? So I get that. But especially freshman, sophomore year, I think they need to try to stick with two sports. And then if they can't handle it by junior, senior year, then, then specialize. 2002, you're, you're 25 years old, and you get the head coaching job at Omaha South. Yeah. How, how did that come about? Oh, man. So when I, when I graduated, I really – my goal was to coach college volleyball. Hmm. And so I had sent out all sorts of letters trying to get – and all anybody had was a GA position. And at that time, when I'm 21, 20 years old – I did not want to be in school anymore. I mean, I took a couple master's classes. I stayed in school, but my focus was to get this college gig, right? Like, that was my big goal. As I started, like, talking to people, other than a GA position, which pays, like, zero dollars, um, the assistant jobs that I was, you know, I think I went, I went down to Davidson College and visited down there as a, for an assistant job, and the pay was, like, $12,000 really? for a year. And then I saw... Teaching paid like thirty some thousand, you know, thirty thousand dollars a year. I'm like, well, bye bye college, you know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go teach, and and if I end up coaching, I coach. So anyway, I got my teaching certification done. I applied to Omaha Public Schools, and I got done with it in December. So I, I mean, obviously, I wasn't gonna have a contract for January through uh, May, but I got on as a long term sub, and they assigned me to Benson. And my, my aunt was working security at like Ophi Mall or something and ran into Ricky Ruffin. And Ricky said, we need a long-term sub at South. I'm calling the TAC building. Called up TAC and I got a phone call. I'm going to Omaha South. And there I was at Omaha South. Applied for like a JV job. Um, the current varsity coach ended up quitting. And I just kind of ended up being the head coach. So they basically handed it to you in August or May? I want to say it was more like May. Because I had that summer to kind of figure out what I was doing. Okay, I'm trying to picture Renee Saunders, uh, you know, hardcore, take no prisoners, you know, two-sport athlete, college athlete, going to Omaha South, where a lot of these kids haven't even played organized volleyball. What was that like? I love teaching the game. I love teaching the game. And it was a lot of teaching. I remember the first open gym I had like two kids show up really yeah I was like awesome like, where's everybody at you know I mean very small program not a ton of kids I had a good group of seniors that I had inherited that were very passionate loved the game um, once I started 
meeting them and talking to them, then I would kind of get some more kids. Um, I think we won three games my first year. And, and really, that didn't bother me. It, I knew that I was working with kids that needed to learn the game. And I have no problem teaching the game. I love teaching the game. I actually like when you start from scratch. Was it hard? Absolutely. Every single day was hard. Some days I had five kids at practice. Some days I had all 12. Um, for the most part, I had the majority of kids there. Um, but then they, in public schools, I'm not going to say all public schools, in Omaha public schools, a lot of those kids are doing a lot of things outside of school and sports, from jobs to babysitting to, you know, if their parents work nights, they have to be home with the kids to, I mean, there's just so many other variables. Transportation's hard. Transportation's hard. I mean, it's just, there's, there's tons of variables, bottom line. Um, despite all those variables, I wouldn't change those nine years ever. I loved it. I love teaching there. I love coaching there. Um, I love the people I work with. That's what probably the best building in Omaha to work. What did you teach? PE. I was a, I did freshman PE and um, strength and fit. I guess here it's called strength and fit. There it's weight training. Nine years. Nine years. Did you did you think about leaving earlier? No. I think I did a, I did the year before, year eight, Bellevue West had an opening and I did apply and I didn't get it. Um, so I stayed for another year. It was it was time for me to leave. Like Why? I felt like I had done all I could do. Um, kids were starting to take advantage, I would say, where they were um, like it seemed nonstop. I can't be at practice. I can't do this. I can't do that. And it that started to really nag at me. We're like, I'm putting in all this time. I'm here every day in the summer. I'm giving you an eight-hour day free camp, basically for a whole week. And I didn't feel like my passion was being returned with the same passion. Um, and so I, you know, so then I applied at Bellevue West. Didn't get that, and then this one opened up, and they had an academic support position open, which actually fits me really well, helping helping kids, and I applied for it, and here I am. Okay, I, I want to ask you one more question about South, because okay. your your record was, was 56, 57 and 206. Um, <laughs> uh, you are probably one of the most competitive athletes that Omaha has produced over the last 25 years uh, and you're you're constantly dealing with you know oh we lost we got swept tonight oh we lost tonight oh we got swept tonight did you I mean I know you said it didn't matter that much to you because you were teaching the game but that is sort of contrary to your personality right you win in other ways you know what I mean I to give them something to give kids who maybe don't have those opportunities to develop confidence and skills and do some good things, those kids might not get that somewhere else. Now, are all of them are down and out? No, absolutely not. I mean, there's kids there that also had good upbringings, two-parent families that had access to clubs and could do those things. There, there was that too. Um, so it was, you know, you're trying to bring your lowest kids up to that level. And the amount of improvement I saw and the program growth and the fact that they took ownership in it and they loved to be a part of it, that's a win. The highlight of those nine years was what? Oh, man, I, I have developed some awesome relationships with those kids. Kids to this day that I still talk to. That, I mean, I wouldn't trade those for anything. 
and that was those there's a lot of great kids that I had there that are now I mean help me take care of my dogs that invite me to their weddings that you know like they're, they're good relationships good people I mean that's probably the best part you come over here and it's, it's a slightly different situation because uh, total opposite yeah I was going to say ex- total opposite. expectations opportunities all that stuff is quite a bit different it is I uh, first opened gym I showed up here 40 some kids show up totally opposite of the two to four whatever I had that that first open gym at Omaha South um, I found my match when it comes to competitiveness these kids want it and are willing to work as hard as I am and the parents too yes and the parents have been great I mean some people talk about you know parents and over involvement and having their hands and stuff and you know here it's been they have their jobs they know their jobs they know their roles and we talk a lot about trust like I, I need you to trust me and what I'm doing and I trust that you will take care of your kids on your side you know and and the parents have been great what what distinguishes your your coaching style or your teaching style <sighs> I don't even know I'm pretty calm I try to stay even keel I don't ever want to be an emotional person on the sidelines I feel like your team plays emotionally if you coach emotionally um, that being said I know when it's time to buckle down and get going. Um, I do, I teach when I need to teach, but I like to let them learn the game on their own a little bit too. Like these kids play enough volleyball that when I'm teaching, it's usually little technique things that they can, they can switch. Maybe they learned it one way, but I prefer it another way. And so I try to get them to kind of adjust their form or change a technique and how they do things so I'm a very uh, I'm a perfectionist I'm pretty OCD with things I like things to be smooth and structured and organized and um, that's the part I love about volleyball I feel like volleyball is very like it's like a dance you know it just it's pretty when it's going well right but then it can be a train wreck when it's not <laughs> um, but I like you know I like things to to flow nicely um, but I don't, I don't like to get overly emotional on the sideline. I think as I've gotten older, I've calmed down a little bit. You're 40 now. Yeah, thank you for telling me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> I appreciate it. Coaching now is different than 20 years ago. How? Kids are different. I don't think coaching's different. Kids are different. You know, it's, I do a lot. Of, I, I look a lot into positive coaching, like... John Gordon books, you know, I love reading his books. And positive reinforcement. Yeah, like how to make kids better, knowing when to get positive reinforcement and when not to, but not coddling them at all, but making them feel confident in what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't believe in yelling at kids or, or, you know, getting on kids or, I mean, I, I think there's a time and a place for it. Sometimes do kids need to kind of have, hey, get going absolutely um kids have changed in terms of they need reinforcement all the time i mean from cell phones and apps on cell phones to any you know you look at instagram and and twitter and stuff like that they're constantly getting notified and most of them are like positive reinforcement things so that's how that's kind of what drives them i think that even in the long time ago positive reinforcement worked Right, but I think you have to use it more now. How were you motivated as an athlete? I hated losing. I like I loved competition. I love competition. Like I, I love when I'm being challenged. Which coaches got the most out of you? 
Oh, man. Or what style of coach got the most out of you? I had so many different styles. I, I, I did well with the coach that kind of like, you know, nudged me along. And then I also was like, I, I don't do an in-your-face yelling very well. I don't handle that very well. I also don't handle head games very well, where it's like I felt I'm doing something right, but then I'm not, you know, and I don't know why. Like, I either need directness or a little bit of, like, nudging in the right direction. Um, did they know what kind of athlete you were? Who? Do your, your players today know what kind of athlete you were? They laugh at me every time I screw up. So I bet you they think I'm horrible, and that's okay. Like, if I met, just yesterday I was trying to get them to work on driving their ball serving, and I missed. And they just, like, giggle. I'm like, yeah. You know, I make a mistake, and you don't it's ever, hilarious. You don't ever tell a story about the 95 Final Four or something no, like that? No, I don't. Really? No, I don't really ever talk about it. I don't. I feel like I don't want to be that coach <laughs> that talks about their glory days. Like, I don't ever want to do that. Do you think it would give you credibility, though? I hope I have. More, I hope I've earned it. Sorry. More, more <laughs> credibility. I hope I've earned it. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, they can always Google me, I guess. Whatever. That's what kids do. I'm pretty sure they all Google me at some point. But, no, I don't, I don't ever want to be that coach that's like, I used to be this. Yeah, but now you're old and you can't do anything, you know, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. I, I, I hope that they, they learn from me um, by my experiences that I can, that I am leading them in the right direction. When's the last time you played? I peppered today in a dress. In a dress? <laughs> That's right. I did. I love peppering with my kids because I can still do that. Um, I think last time I played, I tried out for that Tornadoes PVL team that oh, we really? had a couple years ago and I made that and played and... Yeah, that was another. I'm getting too old to play thing, but it, but it was fun. Um, okay, so 2015, you guys win Scott's first volleyball state championship. Yep. And you kind of had a hunch, I think, that it was going to be better the next year, right? Well, I, you know, we had a great group of kids that graduated last year, yeah. and they were in the finals as sophomores. Yeah, 2014. Yep, and I think they were a little shell shocked. You know, like, oh, we're here. And I was kind of probably the same way, you know. Um, and we ended up losing to Norris, who won three in a row. That that made it their third in a row. Um, then we come back the next year, and we play Gretna, and we were not shell-shocked. It was the total opposite, where we I think we were actually down and came back and won, where the year before we were up and lost. And so I think that that confidence, and then when you return – you know, four starters or whatever it was out of that group. I mean, 2016 is, is one of the best Nebraska volleyball seasons of all time for a high school team. 44-0, uh, ranked second and third nationally. Uh, you beat the best teams basically in the Midwest, including Marion, uh, your alma mater. Yeah. Uh, what was that experience like? Did you enjoy it? Was it pressure how did you how did you feel going through that it was a little bit of both I, I felt more stressed last year than I do this year for sure but I think it's because my expectation my my own personal I wanted this team to do all those things so bad that I think it stressed me out um, I had the athletes I was always worried about them like not like thinking they could just walk in and win I was always worried about that and that's exactly how teams get beat and so I felt like I was always stressing about that. Like, are they going to think that they can just walk over a team and and not show up and play to their level? Um, so that was more stressful. This year we've lost more, 
but I haven't been as stressed about it because we're a new team and everybody's learning and growing and like we're getting better as we're going. But you know, it's just two opposite things. It's crazy. I, I talked to John Cook about this in February, and he was telling me how, you know, with with the Rolfsons and as much success as they had the last two years, he didn't get that much joy out of it because it was just you know the expectations were so high and how he how he was so amped up for this year because you know they had to start over and there was like no expectations and it's funny how coaches how they feel that you know yeah I think well I, I would say I'm probably felt the same way in a certain to a certain extent because it was like if we don't win it am I gonna be looking for a new job you know and no nobody said we had to go 44 no that was unbelievable actually because we were literally one point away from being 43 and one when we were down in Kansas City and somehow that team found a way to win what was it? I don't we know were how, we I, were I, down I, like twenty four twenty one to St James Academy in the third set. Really? And we went back and they got a block, huge block, twenty two, and then I think they hit a ball out twenty three, and then all of a sudden we tied it up at twenty four, and it was like, oh my god, we might actually get this, and we won. Like we won the game, and we were literally one point away from from being forty three and one. Was that your? Uh biggest reaction to a result oh that one I I'm I think I aged 10 years that one game because <laughs> I was like oh my god we're gonna lose I really in my head I'm like we're gonna lose like there goes our chances of you know so you identified this like really early on this idea of, of going undefeated when we set our goals at the beginning of the year when I take them camping we do our like ropes course we do all those things at the very beginning of the year their goals were to win state go undefeated, and finish in the top 50 of the nation. Top 50? Right. And I had them narrow it down to top 10. I said, 50? I go, I think we can do better than that. Like, I think you guys could be up there, you know? And so we switched it to top 10. Um, and they hit all three of their goals. It was pretty crazy. The highlight of that season was what? <sighs> Is there a moment that you'll remember 20 years from now? Yeah, that game that we were supposed to lose. <laughs> By, by far, that would be that would be the number one defining moment. The second defining moment we called the mercy moment. They dropped a set to mercy, um, and I think that was when they realized they couldn't just slough through games. So that was big. And then um, I felt like they played their best game in the state championship. So I feel like they didn't go out playing average. Like they literally showed how good they were in that state championship, and that was our goal. I said, you guys will be playing your best volleyball last game of the year, and they were. And uh, so that was those three things, I think, were the most defining of that year. I, I Surprisingly, I have a lot of friends who are, you know, 30s and 40s, and they don't want to do this until they're 60, like high school coaches used to do it. What, what's, your, what's your future? I, I love what I do. Like, I love my job. I love the kids I coach. I love the school I'm at. And... I don't plan on changing that, you know, like that's life is good the way it is. So I just want to keep, I just want to keep this program going the way it's going. I feel like I've worked really hard to get it to where it's at. And now it's a matter of like, can we keep it going? I want to catch up to wrestling with all those championships. <laughs> You've got what, 10 more to go? Oh, little, oh no, like 17. They're ridiculous. But... I mean, I want I want Scott to be remembered for volleyball for a long time. Lindsey Krause. What about her? You've never had a kid commit in August of her freshman year, right? Never had a future Husker either. It's kind of cool. 
you know? I'm like, I'm like, oh, so this is what it's like to have a Husker, you know? Because it's just a different, I mean, she's a, she's a good player. And she's young. And she's very coachable. I always tease her because she's totally 14. 100% 14. We need to wrap her in bubble wrap. She trips over things. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. I love it. Because you see that side of her, and then she goes on the court, and she can just bounce the ball. I mean, just nail it. Um, I think her ceiling is very high. I think I think she, because she, she is so coachable, I think she could, I think just this year already she's made leaps and bounds. And she's, a, she's a significant player on our team as a freshman. You're going to play a pretty big role in her. I mean, because, because coaches, you know, when college coaches extend offers that early, they really count on the high school and club coaches to do the developing, you know, like, hey, there's, you've still got to get better. I mean, you're going to be a pretty important role in this process. I hope so. I mean, I want to make her a great Division One volleyball player. I mean, that's my goal for her. Um, and, you know, maybe right now it's technique things, but I'm also trying to help her with, like, the mental sign that she's a competitive kid. She does not like to lose. I mean, you were if the game's on the line, she hits harder than when it was point zero through ten. She's Renee Saunders twenty years ago. Taller, more athletic. She's a, she's an athlete. She's great, um, but she's very very competitive. Yeah, very competitive. She'll be she's going to be a fun kid to coach as long as she keeps improving and and stays receptive to all the information coming coming in. Because I do sometimes give a ton of information. I try to do a better job of like minimizing it, um, but sometimes like, hey, we got to do this, this, and this. But she's been super coachable. If you could change one thing about high school volleyball, what would it be? Oh man, I like how high school volleyball is. If I could change one thing, I would not allow club to start until January. 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 Tryouts, right? Tryouts the day after the state tournament are not a good idea. No. I, I really think the kids need a break, and I think actually the clubs would get better results if they did that. Um, I think that would be in an ideal world. Do you have any interest in coaching basketball ever? You know, I like it. I love it. I miss coaching it. I coached it at South with Ruffin for eight years. Did you really? I did. Um, like a varsity assistant or what? As a, I did freshman and I did JV, oh depending gosh. on the year, I and then varsity that. assistant. Yep. So, I've, I've, I do miss coaching basketball. It's very opposite of volleyball. Why? I think, well, volleyball is very controlled. Basketball, you can, like, make a plays on the fly. I love that part about it. Like, you can just randomly do things. It's awesome. It's improvisational, right? It's very, very. You can improv a lot. And I have, that's, takes, my, that's takes, my creative side. But then there's my very, like, focused side. It takes more, don't you think it puts more on the players? When you what? In basketball, because it's more improvisational. Maybe a little bit, but I think... I think the core is still the same because in basketball you still have to work with each other and you have to understand where you're going otherwise you have four people on the side of a court or you have you don't have good spacing like it's actually a lot the same when it comes to like team aspects but the improv side is what makes it fun like a, ba a back screen for an alley-oop or something I mean random like that like that stuff's fun to me I love to run and jump full court 99 get after it in basketball volleyball I'm a I love to run fast and and get up and bang the ball, you know? So I guess I'm pretty similar in that way, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess if the opportunity were there, I wouldn't turn it down. Do you, do you have a Paul Sanderford story? A Paul Sanderford story. I have lots of them. <laughs> you know, he coached with the microphone, right? <laughs> you know, 
I love the guy to death. I do. He was probably one of my favorite coaches. Um, I loved his personality. He cared tons about his players. He was intense. Um, he coached with the mic on the whole practice. He kicked basketballs into the rafters. Um, he doesn't need the mic. His voice carried just fine in Devaney at the time. I mean, he, he was loud. I think it would have been fine in PBA too. But um, but no, I mean, I, one time I think we were coming back from K-State or somewhere he wasn't happy with, with how we played. And so we got off the bus and put on our practice gear and we practiced that night. That sucked. Um, we ran a lot that night. And I don't even remember, I mean, why. I just remember getting off the bus, putting our stuff on, being on the line. Um, kicking balls into the into the stands that was that was always good. But the biggest thing I remember about him is, remind me not a Chris Farley, but kind of like Tommy Boy. Oh yeah, so just get into it, you know, and his He's hair. Yeah, yeah, he was awesome. I loved it. I, I don't know why I loved it. Maybe because he wasn't ever really yelling at me, um, but I thought it was funny. Well, the accent too. I yeah, mean, you know. But he loved you as a person. Like he's the first one to give you a hug. Probably one of the softest, nicest guys I know. But he could yell. I liked him a lot. He was great. That was the heyday of Nebraska basketball, man. There was like 12,000 people going to games. It was. It was fun. I mean, we went to the NCAA tournament. Um, Anna DeForge was a great player, and she was so on the team. So you overlapped with her. Yeah, I overlapped with her. And then you had Brooke Schwartz, another great player. I mean, Emily Thompson. I mean, we had a lot of good players. Um, that was really kind of the heyday of Nebraska high school girls basketball. I mean, there was you know they were doing all that. Uh, that was when Lincoln Southeast ran the table. Albert Woodman stuff, all the South Sioux, you know, the yeah. South Sioux dynasty was kind of going. Yep. Uh, it was a lot of good basketball at the time, but there was also a lot of multi-sport athletes then too. And I think you could ask a ton of basketball coaches why basketball is down and they'll blame volleyball, you know. But like I said. It, just takes parents to tell their kids you can do both you know we just gotta find a way to make it work thanks for listening to where i come from you can find our library of episodes at omaha.com podcast or your favorite podcast app thanks to bird creek for the music if you have feedback on this podcast or any others please email me at Dirk Chattelain, oops, sorry, Dirk period Chattelain at owh.com.